So good morning. Welcome, welcome to Zion on this third Sunday of Easter. Before we begin our worship, are there any announcements or any prayer requests for the congregation? Well, not seeing any, so we will assume no news is good news this morning. Uh, ben, I'll invite you to, to take a few moments to quiet your heart and quiet your mind as we listen to the prelude and prepare for worship. And I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Eternal and all-merciful God, with all the angels and all the saints, we laud your majesty and might. By the resurrection of your Son, show yourself to us and inspire us to follow Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our reading today is from Acts. Saul, still breathing, 
threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them and bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Taurus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles, kings, and before people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God, the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We will sing the Psalm 30.
The second reading is from the book of Revelations. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with a full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing. To the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. The word of the Lord. According to St. John, after he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there, together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? But he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, 
feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to them, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. All right, I'm going to have to get your opinion on some things. So I went on the internet and I found a list of things that are impossible. All right, so you'll have to give me your opinion if these are impossible or not. So in this list it says, it is impossible to tickle yourself. Is that impossible? Can you tickle yourself? Yes. You think you can? You guys can try it later. I don't know about that one. All right. This list says, it is impossible to hold a basketball and not to want to bounce it. Is that impossible? If you hold a basketball, are you going to bounce it? No. Okay, fine. It's impossible to run in flip-flops. Is that impossible? Oh, you can run in flip-flops. All right, this list, I guess, is not good. Uh, it's impossible to lick your elbow. Can you lick your elbow? Is that impossible? <laughs> you never tried? You could try, can you lick your elbow? All right, you don't have to embarrass yourself. Uh, what else on the list? It's impossible to live in a house that has been taken over by a colony of 50 million ants. Is that impossible? <laughs> no, you could live with the 50 million ants. I don't know about that. Uh, it's impossible to describe the taste of good cheese. That's impossible? Okay. Yeah, so anyway, those are silly. Some of those things are possible. Some may be impossible. Who knows? Uh, but that idea of what's impossible and what's possible uh, struck me this week as I was reading our scripture lessons this morning. It seems to me when we read the Bible, that God really likes to do things that the world would think impossible. And so we get two stories like that this morning. The first story is about a man named Saul, who was in charge of arresting Christians and killing Christians. Well, God made Saul a Christian. And not only that, he made him one of the greatest preachers and evangelists and pastors in the church's history that we know as St. Paul. God does something impossible, something the world would never expect, right? This man who hurt Christians has now become one of the most influential Christians of all time. It seems like it would be almost impossible. And so our gospel story, too, we have the man, St. Peter. St. Peter denies Jesus three times when Jesus is on the cross. Peter says, I don't know him. No, I don't follow him. I don't belong to him. And you would think, the world would think, you know, once someone does something like that, it's over, right? Peter's never going to amount to anything. Peter just denied Jesus. Well, our gospel tells us something different. It says, Jesus puts Peter in charge of the church. He says, feed my sheep. In other words, preach to the church, tend to the church, take care of the church. Jesus takes the man who failed and puts him in charge. It's almost impossible. The world would never do that seems impossible. 
Well, God does impossible things, things the world would never expect. But most of all, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the most impossible thing that became possible. God brings life out of death. And so for you all, what that means is your life will never, ever, ever be hopeless. You always have hope in your life. Right? There's never a mistake you can make that's so bad that you can't be forgiven. There's never a choice you can make that will be so bad that God will stop loving you. Right? There's nothing that will ever be impossible in your life because God cares for you, God loves you, and Jesus Christ is alive. Let's pray. Lord, help us to know that there is always hope in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, our gospel text this morning, I think, will make the most sense if we kind of remember the whole story of St. Peter, where he comes from and who he is. So you'll remember, according to the gospel of Luke, that Jesus first calls Peter to be his disciple on a fishing boat. Right? Peter obeys Jesus. He puts out his nets after a night of poor fishing and receives a miraculous catch. And at that point, Peter falls down at Jesus' feet, realizing that Jesus is more than just a teacher, more than just an interesting man, but Jesus has to be sent from God. And Jesus embraces Peter in that moment, and he gives him a new job and a new identity. He says to him, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And Peter leaves his fishing boat. He leaves his nets. He walks away from the lake, and he follows Jesus. He is no longer meant to be fishing on that lake, but he's meant to be out in the world as one of Christ's apostles, one of his messengers. Peter, then, in all of his brashness and his boldness, he embraces this role throughout the gospel. He's the first one in the gospel of, Mar in the gospel of Mark to correctly answer the question Jesus asked of him, who do you say that I am? Peter is the one who says on the night of the Last Supper, Lord, don't just wash my feet, but wash my whole body. He's the one who says to Christ before he is arrested, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Peter is the one who takes out a sword and tries to fight for Christ when the temple leaders come to arrest him. In the Gospels, we see that Peter is not always the most intellectual. He's not always the most thoughtful character. He's impulsive. But who could ever doubt his courage and his will to follow Christ throughout the Gospels? Until, of course, he denies Jesus three times when all seems lost. In denying that he knows Jesus, it seems that it's not so much that Peter is betraying Christ, but Peter is turning his back on the call that Christ gave to him. When all seemed hopeless, when the world questioned what Jesus had been about, when Christ was on the cross and it seemed like Jesus was a failure, that was Peter's opportunity to be a true fisher of men. That was his opportunity to be a true messenger, to tell everyone who Jesus really was. But he turns his back on that call. And three times he refuses to seize that opportunity to be Christ's messenger to the world. 
And so in that denial, Peter denied what it was to be an apostle. And it seems that ministry was now impossible for Peter. He was a failure. He could not be the fisher of men that Christ had called him to be. And so now Peter returns back to his old work, back to the lake, back to the boat, back to pulling in empty nets. And the story of John 21 then is not exactly a story of forgiveness. In fact, in last week's gospel in John 20, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says to them, peace, and he gives them the Holy Spirit. And so spiritually speaking, we know that Peter is forgiven as are all the disciples who were gathered together in that locked up room. On a spiritual level, Peter's relationship with the Lord has been restored by this point. In fact, we see how eager Peter is as he jumps into the water, swims ashore to be with Christ. He doesn't want to wait for the boats to be rowed back to the shore. He wants to get there as soon as possible. He is ready once again to embrace the Lord. But the question in our story is if Peter understands that he still has a calling. That's what this encounter is about. Is there a place once again for Peter? So we remember that over the charcoal fire, as Peter warms his hands, he denies knowing Christ three times before the rooster crows. And now again, he stands with Jesus over a charcoal fire, this one of breakfast. And Jesus offers Peter three opportunities to return to his role as an apostle. And Peter confesses his love for Christ three times. And three times Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And it's confirmed for Peter that not only is he forgiven, but once again he has a place in the kingdom. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Uh, that question, the Greek is unclear what these is referring to. But it seems very likely to me that Jesus is pointing back to the boats, to the nets, to that catch of fish. Is Peter ready again, once again, to leave all of that and to follow Christ, just as he did in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke when Christ first calls him? Is Peter ready to follow Christ? And indeed he is. He is now not only a fisher of men, not only a messenger, but he's made a shepherd of the Lord's people. He's not only going to tell people about Christ, he's going to feed their souls with the very words of Christ. And so we've heard the story of Peter's calling as it unfolds through the Gospels, but we have to ask, what about the story of your calling? If you are a baptized Christian, God has called you to be someone. And let's be clear, God hasn't called you because you are a remarkably good person. I'm sure you probably are, but that has no bearing on your calling. Like Peter, God has called you not because of one particular gift or another that you have, not because you're the most intellectual, not because you're the most moral, but God has called you because in Jesus Christ, he loves you. And because of who you are in Christ, you have that calling, you have that identity. When we baptize someone in our service, we say, so-and-so called by the Holy Spirit, trusting in the grace and love of God, do you desire to be baptized? All the baptized Christians are called into something. 
That is to say, all of us have identities in which God wants us to take action. And so in a general way, we confess that this calling looks like living among God's faithful people, hearing God's word, sharing in the Lord's Supper, proclaiming Christ through the world, serving all people, and so on. But we all have specific callings in our life as well. Where do we share the word of God? Where do we serve others? Where do we live among God's faithful people? And so we do these things as parents, as siblings, as children, as neighbors. We do them at our jobs. We do them at our leisure. And so wherever we go, whatever we do, we carry with us a holy calling to be a person of God. But like Peter, are there areas in your calling where you are uncertain? Are there areas where you need forgiveness and healing? Do you need a reminder of the goodness of your calling, even though you are a sinner, or maybe you're a failure? I think we often feel this, especially as spouses, as husbands or wives. We feel this as parents sometimes. Maybe we feel this as children. Because how easy it is to let someone down in those callings. Right? How easy it is to deny that the life of being a mother or a father, a husband or a wife, a brother or a sister is not a holy one. And to walk away feeling like we cannot live out these callings the way God wants us to do. In these hard vocations, these hard callings, we so often need healing. We so often need restoration. We so often need a reminder that what we're doing is good. And God has indeed blessed our work. Well, this healing, this strengthening, this restoration of our identity comes through Christ. It's a return to him. Just as Peter returns to Christ and he receives the restoration of who he truly is. We come to Christ as people who are broken, as tired, weary, and we're anxious. And Christ asks us, do you love us more than these? And this is where the understanding of our identities and healing is ever strengthened. In knowing that Christ is yet greater than anything that weighs us down. Christ is greater than our past sins. He's greater than all the disappointments in our life. He's greater than all of our inadequacies. And the things that should be impossible in this world are possible because Christ is risen. Peter, who denied knowing Christ three times, is made a shepherd over the whole church. How implausible is that? How impossible? But the risen Christ makes it possible. He offers new creation and new opportunity. And what should be impossible in your life, whatever that might be, is made possible in Christ. There is forgiveness for you. Where maybe you think you're unforgivable, there is forgiveness in the risen Christ. There is a restoration where you have made a mess of things in your life. There is hope when your life might seem hopeless and lost. There is life because there is an empty tomb. There is a new morning beyond the darkest night of our souls. The impossible is made possible because Jesus Christ lives. Amen.
together, let us stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. <coughs> we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally God and the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord of life, we are sustained by the spiritual food you alone provide and our lives depend on your powerful word. As you have gathered us here around the proclamation of your gospel, make us worthy to receive the bounty prepared for us in your son's death and resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our Heavenly Father, you have raised your son from the dead to the praises of all angels and saints. Give strength to our hearts and voices that we, with them, would meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and speak of the might of your awesome deeds. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Ever-living God, you raised up Saul from among your enemies, that he would suffer for your name. Stir up all those baptized into your name, and call many men and women to the service of your church. Sustain all missionaries who suffer for your gospel, and continue to confound your enemies with your wisdom. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, enthroned in heaven, you have ordered all the nations of the earth and have set your church among them to shepherd them unto eternal life. Hear the prayers we continually offer for our leaders, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, and grant them faithful and peaceful rule. Lord, in your mercy. Compassionate Lord, you are glorified in the sufferings of your faithful people. Teach us to trust you through all of our trials and graciously bear up those who struggle among us, especially Denny and Dick, Steve, Nancy, Kelly, Becky, Ray, Melissa, Marilyn, Landon, Nancy, Mike, Rose, Tony, and Carolyn. Let them know the fullness of your love. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
Eternal Lord, you have prepared a feast again for us on this morning of your son's resurrection. Help us to rejoice greatly in this gift of his body and blood and to receive it to our eternal good, that we too would rise at the last day. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, for the glorious resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, the true Paschal Lamb, 
who gave himself to take away our sin, who in dying has destroyed death, and in rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all the witnesses of the resurrection, with earth and sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast, grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. With your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun and moon and stars, We praise you, O God, blessed in Holy Trinity, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation, please stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
peace. Serve the Lord.